All right, I remember this thing with, when the Pokemon came out. Do you remember the Pokemon guys? Everybody's sitting there walking around with their cell phone, looking down. And then all of a sudden we started ha having instances where people fell off a cliff or fell down a hill. Right. So, again, when you're when you're looking down, who's looking around for you? Right. At least get someone to be next to you and be like, hey, hold on a minute before you fall down the ledge. Thank God I was there and I wasn't looking at my phone. All right. So when you when you start feeling like you're doing that. I think that there might be something going on. All right. So this is a counselor. And what we want to do is we want to talk about this with you guys. Um, and your parents, they're just frustrated with you. They're upset with you, right? Because you're not paying attention. Um, you're always on your phone. How many times have you heard someone say, you're always on your phone, right? Addiction. Oh, you're always drinking. You're always partying, right? People start telling you're always drunk, right? So addiction, when someone starts telling that you're always on something, all right, that's something to start thinking about, right? The Counselor. Welcome back to The Counselor, and I'm your host, Sheldon Stovall. So today we're going to continue on with our uh, discussion on substance abuse. And I want to begin with uh, where we left off on, I believe it was part two of signs of addiction. Um, and I think uh, we talked a little bit about loss over control of the use as one of uh, the signs. Uh, another one is risky use. Uh, we have the physical effects. So there's some physical issues that do happen uh, when you're using and also social or occupational problems. So let's dig right in. Uh, but before I do that, I want to just quickly mention uh, that my book is currently available. It's called Where is the Storehouse? Um, you can find it on Amazon.com. You can pretty much find it, find it everywhere, Barnes and Nobles. Um, so it's pretty much very popular. We're getting ready to try to get it into libraries as well. Um, nationwide for anybody that just cannot afford a copy. Um, and we want to also let you know, we're going to be doing virtual book signings every week. So every week I will be available. I believe that it's going to be on a Saturday morning, um, where you can actually go into a virtual meeting that's already set up for every Saturday. And once you enter the group, um, there's no purchase necessary. Um, all you would need to do is give me your name um, and then you can either email me right then or if you want to just have me forward it to an address, uh, however you like to have it done. Uh, but we will send you a personal and signed copy of my book, uh, Where is the Storehouse? Um, and we're also going to be going over it. Uh, very soon, but it's going to be very difficult to do it if you don't have a copy or if you haven't read anything or if you're not familiar with the material. All right. And I did explain it a few times. and I'll explain it again. Uh, Warehouse, where is a storehouse is a depiction. It's a nonfiction. And we talk about um, how quite a few people um, have been manipulated. There's testimonies in there by churches or business organizations um, that formulate and look like churches. Believe it or not, just because someone is in a suit um, and can stand in a certain spot or has one of those pulpit things there or 
whatever they do, does that make mean that they're actually really a genuine church? So what Where is the Storehouse does for readers is kind of educate you on what to expect. What are you looking for? And do some research, do some homework, find out if it is a legit church. Uh, go to the Secretary, Secretary of State website. It should be, uh, be established. They should have an uh, EIN number. Um, but many things um, are in here to help you start identifying where you are. There's so many people suffering, just giving money away every week, believing that something is going to happen for them and nothing does. And it's not because, you know, you don't have the faith. It's because you're putting it in the wrong place. So Warehouse and Storehouse will actually help you figure out if that place is appropriate for you. All right. So thank you very much. And those of you who have purchased, thank you very much. I only have a few copies left. As you can see on my desk, I had a pile a couple weeks ago. So they're moving. Um, more importantly, thank you guys for subscribing to my show. Uh, the Counselor, I am so Enamored! I'm so excited. I'm so happy that you guys are letting us know that you want to be a part of this great national discussion um, that's so much needed. And who else to lead it but the counselor? All right. So we talked about uh, what is addiction and we had asked you guys to leave an answer. Is it a disease or a choice and so i'm starting to see some comments on there i haven't really reviewed everything yet um, don't worry we get back to you if i don't one of the other licensed counselors will um, but yes thank you guys for your comments um, so i'm going to let you know that addiction is a disease <clears throat> involving continued use of a substance despite serious substance related problems um, these problems can consist of anything uh, like loss of control over use like I mentioned uh, which when we talk about loss of control over substance use uh, we talk about someone using more of a substance than intended so let's think back again because we always go back to the origin that's how we resolve these issues right uh, other counselors can agree. You have to know what happened in the beginning in order you know how to make it an end, right? So um, when you're thinking about loss of use or control of use of a substance, people have difficulty using and sometimes they use more than what is intended. So when you find yourself in a predicament where hubby went out on Friday night, drank a little bit too much, Ended up uh, out of his mind, blacked out, and went spent the rent money on crack. Or when you find yourself scraping for one more dollar at the liquor store just to get one more nip on, on the street corner asking people for quarters. Or if you find yourself overdosing, right, because you don't know what you're doing, uh, typically, that's what's going on. Uh, people don't know what they're doing. You're not a doctor and you're injecting uh, medications that are not intended to be uh, at that level of strength inside of your body all at once. You know, I, I really, really have a big problem with the entire concept of how people are sticking a needle in their arm or in their leg or in their neck um, or in the back of their neck or under their toenails and 
all these other things um, to get a euphoric feeling and you're not a medical doctor or a nurse. And then what really surprises me is that there are children, children graduating from high school or barely graduating from high school, putting needles in each other's arm just to get a euphoric feeling. So I want to remind you guys that there comes to a time when you first start using, you know, when you're meeting your friends, and I always mention it's 14, 15, 16, and as an experienced counselor, and if you talk to other counselors, they'll say the same thing. Uh, these people start very young, right? And you start out with your friends, and they give you a little bag, and, oh, here, try this. Oh, thank you. And you go out there drinking, and, oh, have a sip of mine. Oh, have some of mine. Oh, hit my crack. Oh, take a sip of my, um, take a snort of my cocaine, right? So that, that's how it usually starts, right? Everybody's having fun with their friends, right? And then all of a sudden, when people start running out of money, or if you don't have any money, uh, those friends are no longer there. So, again, now... You're using the substance more, and you probably, most most likely, are now physically addicted to whatever drug is of your choice. So, it's you start having difficulty reducing the use of the substance. You don't want to stop. Like, you want more and more and more. And we're going to talk about that tonight, of why you want so much more. All right. Significant time spent obtaining, using or recovering from the substance. So uh, as a former detox counselor, I can say that uh, for the most part, a lot of people, when they come in after they have drank so much, alcohol levels are at like the peak um, in their blood. Uh, that they're sleeping they or they're having trouble sleeping or they're sleeping for a day or two. If someone's coming off the crystal meth, my gosh, uh, anybody who worked in detox would know that person, good God, they're asleep for three days and there's so much air coming out of you nowhere. Sometimes we would go, oh, okay, you need, we need to go speak with this client. I would open the door, would knock, almost knock me out. All those farts and poots. <laughs> It's a lot coming out because you're pulling in a lot of that smoke in you. And so, yes, they're sleeping for three days. And then they can't walk because their legs are tight. They're numb. They're sore. There are issues that happen when you are recovering from a substance. Anybody ever have a hangover? Oh, it's the most painful, most annoying, most aggravating experience that anyone doesn't want to deal with and then some people of course you'll tell you oh i never have a hangover well i'm glad for you all right so uh there are issues when you are using or overusing and then the time spent obtaining and purchasing and using and i'm not going to go there today but quite a bit of you guys know that when you get that check or, you know, whenever you're waiting for that deposited check on the first or wherever you're beginning your using time or when you get paid and, you know, some people get direct deposit the night, uh, you know, they get out of work on Thursday and you get paid on Fridays, you get it, you know, around 12 or 1 at deposits. I'm talking to you now. So when you have that situation going on, now your your body is going, your anxiety is rising and you don't call the drug dealer or 
whoever uh, to come deliver the substance of your choice. And you find yourself, um, you know, anxiously waiting, right? So I don't know anyone, as often as saying my detoxes, uh, classes and groups, I don't know anyone whose drug dealer shows up within five minutes. Usually it's about an hour to two, right? So if you're spending a little bit more money, they might get there a little earlier, but usually it's quite a bit. Right. So uh, you spend a lot of time waiting to obtain it. And then there are people who once they get it, you know, again, if they're using it intravenously, um, they have to get the little cup together and something they call a burner and they burn the thing and they have to stir it and then suck. I mean, it's a lot of stuff you got to do to get that stuff in your body. Right. Um, if you're an alcoholic, it's unfortunate for you, but you can literally open up that nip and pour it straight down as soon as you're at the register. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of time that you're spending. And then if somebody is drinking and you have an uh, invitation to grandma's or, or whoever you need to go to, you got to wait to sober up a little bit before you can go to the dinner. So you're always showing up late, right? So your life begins to change. And then you start having cravings, cravings. And a lot of people don't know what cravings are. I realize that um, when, you know, I am doing any kind of group work or therapy group. A lot of people don't know what cravings are. So there's a strong desire to use a substance. It's strong. It's almost like physical, like you just, your body, your mind, your brain is thinking about that substance, think about that feeling that it gets, you know, when you use. And so, yes, that turns into what we call a craving, which has now become a strong desire in you. Something that you should not have decided to do when you were 15. And that's what our concern is. And that's why I sit here and I'm doing this show and I'm going to take as much time as I can because I am the counselor and we can do that today. You guys are making decisions at 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 and dying before 19. All right. And oh, well, it wasn't me. Not yet. It starts out with one pill that your friend might give you, you know, the little white ones and they have little 10 on them or a little 20 on them or a little uh, 30 on them. And I think they used to have the 80s on them. And I think those are blue, right? The 30s are blue. I can't remember because um, now they're all pressing with filled with fentanyl and, and you know, fentanyl's running stuff now. It's ridiculous that you would at 15 and 16 decide to put a illicit substance into your body at that age and think that you're grown enough to handle it. You're not. And what you're going to do is you're going to put your parents and your family down a path that you're not going to be able to live to fix. I wouldn't be sitting here right now if I was not going to explain to you guys in full detail that I have seen people at these ages die, they are not even making it to graduation. And when are you making this decision in school 
with your cool friends. If your friends were that cool, okay, they wouldn't be doing it either. Okay, and I don't know how they're still alive. Because what happens is, once you start having cravings, that is the beginning of a long and tedious journey using drugs and alcohol. So I want you guys to give me a call if you know someone. If you know someone who is you think is using, you're not getting them in trouble, you're saving their life. Pick up the phone and call. We can send you to someone that can help you. We can help you or we can just talk with you. You don't have to use your name. If you know if it's a parent, you don't have to mention their name. No one's going to attack you. No one's going to hurt you. What we're going to do is try to help you and possibly get to them to help them. You know, I've been doing this for a while. I know how to get through to people and I will sit here on this phone all day. I will turn that camera off. If you want that camera off, I will turn the volume off. If you want the volume off and uh, more importantly, we just want to help you help them. All right. All right. So also risky use. What is that? What is risky use? Signs of addiction. Using the substance in situations where it is physically dangerous. I'm going to say this as slow as I possibly can. When you're sticking a dirty or clean needle inside your arm, you are puncturing your veins. Your veins are not to get uh, supposed to be punctured on a daily basis five to ten times a day. If you need some kind of medical assistance that requires you to put a needle in your own arm from a, from a substance that you purchase off a street corner in an abandoned house, there's something mentally going on that's incorrect. And so I want, I'm really taking my time because I, like I said, I'm seeing so many of you guys starting out young doing this, not even realizing that there's an end result and there's an end for you. You're not going to make it past 19. I'm telling you this because I've seen it. And what some of you guys need to do, instead of saying, oh, this guy is just crazy or making things up, go to the graveyard. Usually at the graveyard, there's a tomb, right? And in the tomb, you know, I'm sorry, not a tomb, a tombstone. And when you look at the tombstone, it says the day they were born and the day they died. So if you see something that says 2000 born and then you see something that says 2018 died, that means that person was only 18 years old. And I'm not saying every gravesite is filled with people who have uh, overdosed and died of fentanyl. But I can tell you one thing I do know that I don't see as much as I should on the news and on different channels and and station is a wide worldwide alert that our young teens are dying off of the use of fentanyl. 
They're sticking it in their arms. They're sucking it out of a, a gel pad. They're uh, smoking it off a piece of foil. They're uh, smoking it on top of marijuana. I mean, this stuff, I don't, it's a white substance. I don't even know what it really is. That's what they're calling it. It's destroying our children. So I want you guys to really think. I want those of you who have lost your children, pick up the phone and call. The number is scrolling right down there. Or email us. Or under, under this video, write a comment. Say something to help somebody else. Because these kids, it's almost like an ledge. It's almost like it's a mask of kids on a ledge. And somebody, you know, when you're in a big crowd and somebody starts pushing, guess what? Everybody over here? They're going to fall. Okay? And it just seems like we're adding more and more and more children, more young people to go pushing them right onto that edge and leaving them there. And then when the next one comes, the next one falls. And when I say fall, I mean dies. This is not funny anymore, kids. It's not funny. I can't even talk to the ones that are already gone because they're gone. Look at my face. They're dead at 19, 18, 17, 16. They're overdosing and dying. So the next time someone gives you a little pill with a number 10 on it, say no. No.